Hello, Corinne. Another week in quarantine. Another week in quarantine. Yes. With more ghost stories. More ghost stories. Thank goodness for this podcast. I feel like it's, I'm looking forward to all of the emails that we receive, all of the ghost stories people have been posting, so much support in our Facebook group. I'm like, man, this is, it's really nice that we have this. It's a nice escape. It is. It truly is. And I've like totally gotten into the whole like spiritual world a bit more now that I'm quarantined in my parents' haunted house. Yeah. Well, you probably have lots of ghosts with you. Yeah. Nothing has happened since I've been home, but I've been really into my incense. I rediscovered them. I have like four drawers of incense in this house. So I have some going right now. And then the other day we had a quarantine block party, which sounds like the opposite of what it should be. But everyone brought out their lawn chairs and were, were basically like sitting at the end of their driveways. So we were far apart from everyone else. But oh, that's fun. We all had drinks and we're like talking across to each other. That's nice. And apparently my neighbors of 21 years, we moved in here and built this house. 21 years. My neighbors did not know that this house was haunted. They had no idea. They had no idea? Nope. My parents never told them. And like I was a child, so I wasn't I wasn't like a 12-year-old going across to the neighborhood parents and saying, hey, I see dead people. That, yeah. Well, that is something that children do. Yeah. So blissfully ignorant. I told ghost stories as the sun was setting the other day outside. <gasps> Spooky. In the cold. It was very like campfire tales because it was cold and everyone was all bundled up and we were all drinking. And then I was like... And then the house a few doors down had a demon. <laughs> it was real good. Did you have to yell or like? You could, no, you could hear everyone. You could still hear. I just am imagining you dragging a massive speaker down your driveway, setting it up, having a microphone and <laughs> speaking into your microphone, telling scary ghost Grab stories. Grab my, my brother's old guitar amp and plug in the microphone. <laughs> yeah. Just stand on top of it. Ghost stories for all. Exactly. Um, not ghost story related. But Wait, but we haven't done our introduction. Oh, I'm sorry. Hello, this is two girls, one ghost. Two girls, one ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hello. And I'm Sabrina. Okay, what were you going to say? So when I, uh, I don't even know why I brought this up because I don't have any details on it. I don't have a name. I'm not sure why I'm recommending it, but I'm sure you can find it somewhere online. But there are like audio walking tours of different areas. Ooh. So my, one of my coworkers was... Sally, she was like going a little stir crazy and just needed to go on a walk outside. And she followed along on this like audio tape and did a like hour, two hour long loop and just like learned about the area she was walking through. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, Nick so- and I today went on a walk and walked past Marilyn Monroe's house. <gasps> you Walking did? through Beverly or not Beverly. Wow. Don't even know where I live. Walking through Brentwood in all like the nice neighborhoods and then looking at the houses and how much they cost and they all cost 16 million dollars and we're like never mind we won't be able to live here and afford a house here oh wow so it was a little bit of like shattering dreams but also you know peaceful as the two go together hand in hand (laughs) yeah murderous crimes and dead celebrities yeah expensive homes and then you know just like the wonderful smells of eucalyptus trees and fresh oranges yeah oh Speaking of the wealthy, have you started watching Tiger King? Yeah. So I listened to the Joe Exotic podcast when it, as soon as it came out. No, you didn't. I did. I had no idea. Yeah. So I will, because the podcast, I love the podcast, but the podcast did not capture the absolute batshit craziness that are these people as much as like a docu-series where you actually are physically seeing what they look like and how they carry themselves. 
Okay, so maybe I didn't understand. Is the Joe Exotic podcast Joe himself, his podcast? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, that, no, no. that's why I was like, you've been listening to Joe Exotic? <laughs> no, no, no. No, it's, it's like a Wondery podcast or something like gotcha, that. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it came out this past year. Um, I feel like by the time this episode comes out, we're going to be behind the times because Tiger King... We're so behind the times. ...is very popular and has taken over the meme culture, but it is so intense. And I was like, what is this? When Nick turned it on, I was like, I don't want to watch like about animal abuse. Like this is tragic and I don't want yeah, to... The first episode's hard to get through because it's... Yeah. Yeah. But then all the twists and turns it takes, we have two episodes left. Everyone has f- five wives. I know. It's so, it's like cults. I was shocked. It is cults. It's cults. It's so many twists and turns. And I don't know if I didn't listen to the podcast closely enough because I, it was like one of those ones that I was putting on in the morning as I was like getting ready and kind of Mm -hmm. half was listening to, but oh my God, I was most shocked out of the entire series, having already heard a lot of the stuff. I was most shocked by the Myrtle Beach Safari. I forget what it's called, but Doc Antle. Oh my God. Yeah. So I've been following his son on Instagram for like two years and I had no idea. How are you? That it was this like polygamist sort of cult-like animal sanctuary slash zoo slash breeding facility. The woman who got out, who they talked to. Yes. I just wanted to give her a hug. I know, but I was also so proud of her for how far I she'd know. come. And she seemed to have a really clear head about it, too. So if you haven't watched it... Yeah, if anyone's, like, holding out, just like most people did for... Not most people, but, like, people like me, I held out for a while yeah. with Love is Blind because I was like, no, like, <laughs> I don't need to see this. And then I did, and then I couldn't stop talking about it. <laughs> well, the same thing goes for Tiger King. Don't be one of those people that's like, I don't need to watch it. That doesn't sound blah, 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 blah. Whatever your excuse is. It's so just good. let yourself experience it because it's so wild. I, like... We were watching till midnight, maybe the other day, and I was just like, we need to keep watching. It's hard to stop. We we decided to go to bed. Nick decided to go to bed, and I was like, okay, fine. (laughs) It's so good. Okay, if maybe this is not your thing, or if you watch that and then also want to take a break with reading, Corinne, you recommended this book to me a while ago, Evelyn... Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Yeah. I just finished it today. I cried. I cried multiple times. It was so good, right? It's so really Marissa good. So Marissa had recommended it to me and then she recommended it to our friend Leilani and just like had kept yeah. recommending it. And I saw everyone reading it from Marissa's recommendation. So I finally read it and then told you, isn't uh-huh. it amazing? It's so good. Another recommendation from Marissa, who has become my book guru. Yes. Uh, I read two books, full, front to end, beginning to end. What? Why can't I speak? <laughs> I've been reading so much that I forgot how to speak. Front to back or beginning to end? Front to back. Front to bend. Front to end. (laughs) Front end. Uh, This week alone. I started one book on Sunday night, finished it Monday night, and then I started uh, Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo two days ago and finished it this morning. Oh, good. Right. But the other book is called My Dark Vanessa, and it is where the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo is very kind of like, it's like a light read. And yes, it has like some darker darker moments but it's like a enjoyable like kind of heartwarming story Mm. my dark vanessa is one of the hardest books i've had to read in a very long time i didn't have to read it but it's also now my favorite book that i've read in years in years and i i saw your like trigger warnings and whatnot Mm -hmm. on your instagram story because you said it had like trigger warnings for like sexual assault and violence and, and whatnot sexual abuse 
but I'm going to add that one to my list because I, I tend to read the darker categories rather same, than... Same. It was really, truly, truly incredible. It must have been because you wrote all about it on your Instagram. I, I was like, funny. I've never seen Sabrina read a book so publicly like this. It's funny. I post, So I posted the picture saying like I finished it and then on to the next. And then I took a shower and I was in the shower and I was like, no, I have so much more to say about it. And I was just thinking about it because I had literally <laughs> finished it, posted on my Instagram. So I didn't even yep. give myself that time to like think about it. And then I was in the shower and I was just like, no, this was the most powerful book I've read in years. Wow. Probably since East of Eden, which is my other favorite book. I still haven't read that one either. I need to read that one. That's a big one. There's just so many. Tall task. I'm trying to get through all of my like physical books that I have purchased first. Mm -hmm. And then I I held out for as long as I could, but I just got a Kindle because I have one too. I'm trying to save money. And so I was like, oh, that makes sense for me to just borrow from the library. And I'm kind of afraid to touch the physical books in the current situation. So I was like, I'll just run from the library now through my Kindle. That is a nice thing to have. Yeah. Enough of our recommendations. (laughs) Let's get to what we're here for. Ghost stories. Your stories. Okay, I'm going to start us off with a story from, this is from Draco. Hello, me ladies of the spirit realm. I have been listening to you since Box of Oddities spoke highly of you, and my word, I can now say I have listened to all the episodes you've put out thus far. You do great work, and I look forward to future episodes. But now to brass tacks. I have a story for you. This is a story that both I and my late uncle share, and sadly, I'm now the only one who can pass it on since no one else believed him or I. Gosh darn ghostly ignorance in this family. (laughs) A bit of history and scene setting. My uncle, when this first began, moved into a very old house that was over a hundred years old and was rumored to be one of the houses that served as an infirmary during the Indian Wars. Later on, after the town of Toronto was founded, around that area, it later became the town's house with red doors. So my uncle moves in. And this all took place when I was a wee one, maybe seven or eight. I was old enough to help move in small objects and clean up the dust. Did I mention that this house had stood empty for ages? And one thing upon entering this house that fully amazed me were the high vaulted ceilings in the main living room and the mural of flying cherubs amongst puffy clouds and blue skies. Despite the beautiful details of the house, I felt odd. To child me, I chalked it up to a new and unfamiliar place. However, when I was assigned a certain room upstairs, everything changed. That room was freezing. This was midsummer with no AC going, and in this room, the floor and the windowsills were covered in flies, hundreds of them. This concerned me so much that I went to get my aunt, my late uncle's brother's wife, who promptly stated that there was nothing to be concerned about and to stop being a silly child and get to cleaning. So that's what I did. Later that night, we were eating dinner, and my aunt went to check on my cousin's work. Needless to say, everyone's work was passable, except for mine. Needless to say, having my name being screamed from the second floor in an angry tone, my aunt wasn't and still isn't the nicest person, I went up and to grab my arms and pushed me in the room and got onto me for not cleaning the room at all. Ladies, I'm pale on a normal day. I look like walking death most days. But when I saw all those dead flies right back where they were... I blanched even more, and any warmth I had just whooshed out of me. I had cleaned it prior, and yes, I had to clean it up again, this time with my aunt watching. Stupid flies. I only returned to that house once more with my grandma after that, yet the feeling of the first floor had grown heavier too. When talking to my uncle and relaying my story about the flies, he told me he had the same exact experience. 
not once, but multiple times. We both went up to the room, this time clean of flies, but the air felt as if we were walking underwater. It was so heavy and so cold. We both started to get very uneasy, and I recall grabbing his hand and wanting to leave. Thankfully, he agreed and we left. Sadly, things did not stop there. My uncle told me more of what happened in that house when I was older, old enough to know what certain things were. I still get chills when I recall what all he reported on. He told me how he would hear sounds on the large staircase just outside his upstairs bedroom, scraping and thumping mostly, like someone walking and running up and down the stairs with no sense to quiet their steps. Sounds would emanate from the fly room, which after a few more instances of trying to clean it up with the flies only to return, they ended up sealing the room permanently. He also heard on many occasions squeaking springs downstairs in the main living room. Thing is, he didn't have a bed down there and not even a couch. He lived quite the Spartan lifestyle furniture-wise because he had to move so frequently. Considering the history of the house and what he said, the rhythmic patterns of the sounds, I'm sure everyone can guess what was going on dirty ghosts. He also told me of a friendly and playful spirit who liked to play with cutlery on the counter, though. I don't know how he considered it friendly when in the last few days he was living there, it flung a frickin' knife across the room. Sadly, my uncle wasn't able to escape the dark entity that lived in that cursed house. Part of what lived there attached to him and followed him. A bit of good news, but still very bittersweet. When my uncle got really ill, he finally sought out help since we all knew his time was drawing near. Before his passing, I'm glad to say he was demon-free. Yes, demons. A priest said they were succubi. More bad news. Both my brother and I suspect that they weren't rid of them after my uncle's cleansing, but instead attached to his son. But that is a story for another time. This is one of many, but a huge integral part of all the rest of my experiences. If you would like to hear more of them, let me know. Uh, I hope you enjoyed. I'll see you on the other side. Your phantom, Draco. I wonder if Draco and his uncle look alike, because I'm just thinking like they were the two that were experiencing a lot of similar activity in the home with flies and all of that. Mm. And I wonder if the succubi maybe or like whatever sort of presence, whether they be regular ghosts amongst some demonic entities. I wonder if it kind of like targeted the two of them only or if they just were ones who were more open to it sounds activity. like they were more open to it. I, I don't know. It's hard to tell. But even like the flies thing is hard to ignore. I wonder if his aunt kind of reconsidered her stance after maybe being in the house for longer. Because because mm-hmm. I, I, I understand like when you tell a kid to go clean a room and you go up to that room later and it's not clean, you're like, of course, you're going to be annoyed. Like I told you to do something. But then I wonder she watched him clean the flies this time. So I wonder if after he left... They came back and the aunt went back up to the room and the flies were back. And flies like. <laughs> it's super dark. It's super dark. I mean, I know flies mean no harm usually, but. I know. When it comes to paranormal activity, a collection of flies and the smells of sulfur and deep knocking from within your walls, like you've got a demon. <laughs> Boy, you've got a demon. <laughs> you've got a demon. I know. Oh, I do not like that. Creepy, creepy. I am curious, though, because it used to be an infirmary. So like the springs, Mm. the sound of springs made me think less so of dirty ghosts getting it on, but more of sick soldiers getting out of the like spring cots. Yeah. Like and to this is an awful thought, but just the amount of people who were sick or injured, et cetera, at that time, just I I picture it almost like falling bodies, like bodies just continually being put on the springs, like more and more people being wheeled in. I don't like that. It's dark. It is dark. 
God, you have a dark mind, Corinne. No, that's why you and I get along <laughs> so <friends>. well. <laughs> it's what first attracted me to you, Corinne. <laughs> <laughs> My neighbors at our little block party were like asking how we got into this. And I basically was like, and if you think I messed up, you should meet Sabrina. <laughs> Who, me? <laughs> Little old you. Little old me. <laughs> All right, what do you have? Um, I have an email from our listener, Sarah. It's called Kentucky Goblins. Ooh. Hey, Ghostesses. I discovered your podcast a few months ago and instantly became hooked. I'm so glad that I found people that are as obsessed with weird and spooky stuff as me. I've been procrastinating sending in this story because I thought it sounded a little too weird until this past week. We love weird. And obviously, we love this one because we're we're reading it. Goblins, fuck yeah. Yes, love. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Wouldn't want to experience them, but love stories. <laughs> love goblins. It's a big your, goblin it's fan over here. Bigfoot. Sabrina's <laughs> really into goblins. Big goblin girl. <laughs> <laughs> I dare you. If you ever get a tattoo, Sabrina better say big goblin girl. Like tramp stamp area. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little goblin like peeking out from like your oh my god like back. underneath my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna guarantee I will never do that <laughs> unless you lose truth or dare. Please do not make me do that on my I bachelorette. Would never, I would never. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a deep desire. That will be my. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Of like, what would you say? What would your tagline be for a stranger to approach you and you know that it's the spirit of me talking through them? Uh-huh. Maybe I'll just say like, butt crack goblin. <laughs> and, and now you'll know. Now I'll know. Wow, this is great. That's I think mine was what? Turquoise underwear? Yeah, something like that. We really have okay. a theme here. Okay. <clears throat> I've been procrastinating sending in this story because I thought it sounded a little too weird until this past week. Another podcast I listened to, Creepy Caffeine, in case you're wondering, which now we need to check out. I'd recommended a multi-part documentary called Hellier, which you can find on YouTube, about Ooh. an investigation turned kind of conspiracy into these strange sightings of small, goblin-looking creatures in Kentucky. I thought I'd watch it because, well, I love weird stuff like that. But as they started describing sightings and the creatures, I got chills. I've seen these things several times. <gasps> They're a few feet tall, about the size of a small child, have pale skin, big black eyes, and have large pointed ears. Because of this, they're often called goblins or gremlins, but some people theorize that they might be extraterrestrials or aliens. My family and I have been seeing beings like this on our property, but had no idea what they were or if anyone else had encountered them, and we just referred to them as nature spirits. Ooh, I like that. That sounds a little less creepy. It's like, oh, yeah. the nature spirits are just, you know, looking out for us. Makes it sound like fairies a little bit. I know. Although also nature spirits kind of remind me of the night marchers that you covered once from Hawaii. Oh. Um, okay. We have several ghosts that frequently visit. So that seemed the easiest explanation. But apparently sightings of these things have been going on for quite a while and are scattered all along the Appalachian Mountains which is near where I live in North Carolina. We mostly see them just wandering through the woods that surrounded our house. But one night, my brother and I were walking my dog before bed. And as we were talking, I saw a flash of light that lasted about two or three seconds reflect in my glasses from behind me. I turned to my brother and asked, what was that? 
and he was blank-faced in surprise. Did something just happen behind me? I asked. He nodded slowly. Oh my gosh. Something just materialized and disappeared. He said he had seen a light appear and then seemingly open and could see the silhouette of one of the creatures step through it before it quickly closed and disappeared again. We're pretty sure we witnessed a portal of some sort that (gasps) night. No way. Another time, not long after that, I woke up around 1 a.m. and felt something was off, but couldn't really figure out what for several minutes until I realized I'd left my window open. I could hear it raining outside, but what I also heard was what sounded like birds. There's no way any birds would be out in a storm in the middle of the night. Suddenly, I had a mental image pop into my head. I have precognitive abilities, but I can talk about those another time. Of a pale, long-limbed creature standing on the steps of my porch. Oh my god. In the documentary, they mentioned that these things seemed to communicate through chirps and whistle noises, much like what I had heard. I was so freaked out. It almost... Oh, I'm getting chills. Yeah. It almost felt like they were trying to lure me outside. But that may have just been me panicking just a little bit. (laughs) I'm so glad we have a closed-in porch with a door so it couldn't come any closer. Needless to say... I didn't sleep well that night. We still don't know what they are or where they're from. I don't think they mean any harm, but I think I'm going to keep my distance just to be safe. And hopefully we can continue to coexist in relative peace. Hope you like my stories. I have plenty more if you want them. And thank you so much for all of the work you guys do for the podcast. Stay spooky, Sarah. I love that she didn't really like know what they were until she saw this documentary. I know. Oh, gosh. It almost reminds me not at all the same. But like when I was young, I saw like shadow people, shadow figures. And for the longest time, I just called them shadow people. turns out that was the correct name. But I didn't learn about it until I was like 12 or something watching an after school special. And then I was like, and I feel like she went through the same experience. Like you always see something and you're like, I'm just going to try to write this off. I'll give it my my own name. Right. And then you have this eye opening experience when you recognize that it's actually something real yeah and it's so curious that they use that sort of like whistle and clicking that it would seem to anyone who's maybe like half asleep or not really like paying attention to the context clues or what would be the norm in that certain Mm -hmm. situation it probably i'm sure they get by all the time just communicating while other people just assume it's it's birds you know right yeah like you would just be like oh there's a noisy bird outside right but then yeah i mean it is a weird thing to hear during rainstorms. So for her to be like, there's something off about the sounds that are coming from outside. And it must have been so loud if her window was open and it was really stormy to be able to hear. I know. The clicking that was coming from her front porch. It kind of reminds me of skinwalkers a little bit. Just yeah, Ugh. in the way that they manipulate things. But I, I, there is also a lot of crossover between behaviors of cryptids and strange mm-hmm. animals, creatures. So I don't know what it is. I don't know. And you know, maybe they're goblins. Interesting about this is that not to relate this back to Bigfoot, because I know this is a story about Bigfoot. (laughs) But it's always about Bigfoot in Corinne's book. It's always about Bigfoot. (laughs) Um, One of the theories surrounding Bigfoot and other cryptid creatures like this is that they might be some sort of like extraterrestrial or some sort of like plane jumper where they can exist in other dimensions and jump into ours. And it's so interesting that her and her brother somewhat witnessed what looked like a portal opening up to let these Mm -hmm. beings through. And it's like, what are they doing here? Like, is there some sort of, I almost think of like guardians of the galaxy or like 
the Mandalorian, like, is there some sort of like gem or like some sort of like treasure or energy or something that's like collected and harvested from Earth and all of these beings come to do it? But we as humans just can't even conceive what is happening or see or experience whatever they're all coming for. But what if all these beings are just like working together elsewhere or against each other and trying to harvest something from earth and we're all like oh my gosh bigfoot but like really there's a whole other like world and society out there sci-fi man so sci-fi i want to i am willing to open my brain up and accept that knowledge so here i am yes 100 percent. choose us (laughs) please how many more times do we have to say it we beg we beg you We won't talk about it on the podcast, I promise. (laughs) I crossed my fingers behind my back. I crossed my toes. (laughs) I hated when people did that. Freaked me out. Oh, yeah. I don't think I can do that. I can't either. I've got monkey toes. I feel like space is between all of them. It reminds me of Dwight in the office practicing with his feet. (laughs) Ten minutes a day. Okay. I have another story. And I didn't realize I had a theme here, but... uh. This is from Allison, and the subject line is an old lady in white and a shit ton of flies. Wow. Ooh, spooky. That's a weird theme to have, Sabrina. Yeah. I don't know how that happened. I mean, I picked a few of these stories last week, so maybe my mind was in a different place last week. (laughs) Um, Hey, guys. I've been listening to your podcast religiously from the very beginning, even though I'm a complete scaredy cat and not personally as sensitive to spirits. Thank God. Even though I'm not as reactive to spiritual activity, I'm definitely a believer and have had a few experiences that have made me think twice or do a mental double take, if you know what I mean. So this is the first story. It's called Old Lady Dressed in White. A few years ago, I was going through a pretty bad breakup and found myself crying at random times, just having your usual relationship slash happy times flashbacks. One morning while eating breakfast and getting ready for work, I felt particularly sad and started crying. The feeling of sadness was just extremely overwhelming that day, but I still somehow managed to get myself ready and to work on time. The first few hours of work were pretty boring and uneventful since I was part of the opening team for a shoe store, and the store was pretty dead up until noon when we finally started seeing more customers walk in. I was kind of in my own world counting inventory on the floor and just tidying up any messes when I felt someone tap my shoulder. Upon turning around, I noticed that it was an older lady dressed in white from head to toe with white hair. She had a strange energy to her, but nothing that frightened me or made me want to walk away. She needed help finding comfortable walking boots, so I walked her over to our boot section and asked her what her needs were to better assist her. As I was explaining some features of a pair of boots, she suddenly interrupted me and just said, He's not the one. He isn't the one. Oh, Just like that. She also looked straight in my eyes as she said this. I was a little put off, but I think it also took me a little while to process what was happening because it was very early on a weekend. And she proceeded to tell me the story of how she met her husband. And I couldn't help but wonder what prompted this complete stranger with no knowledge of my personal life whatsoever to bring up this topic of conversation. After she had decided on a pair of boots to purchase, she headed towards the checkout. And I was still pretty confused by what happened. And even an hour after the exchange, when I walked by the front of the store, an hour later, she was still there. She sat in our little lounging area at the front of the store after she had paid for her things. And I couldn't help but feel she was just waiting there and watching over me. This is my second story. It's called Hundreds of Flies on a Window in Harlem. 
I lived in Harlem at one point very briefly. I never had any other experiences in this apartment besides this very freaky one. At the time, my mom thought someone was attempting to curse or do some sort of harm to her and our family, though I think it is most likely this experience is connected to that rather than the apartment being haunted. My room at this apartment had a window which faced the courtyard. It wasn't a nice courtyard, but a stinky New York City one. The trash was kept back there in between pickups, and although the stench never reached me on the third floor, I knew it was there. It was nearing the end of the summer, and I had already taken out my AC unit. However, I didn't anticipate how hot it would still be in the non-central AC apartment. It was so freaking hot. One day, I left the window slightly open in my room to let some air in, and I went to work. Nothing prepared me for what I saw when I opened my bedroom door upon return. Hundreds of flies just stuck on my window. Ugh, gross. And hundreds is not an exaggeration. There were so many of them, you would think the upper half of my window was black. I was so disgusted, but also scared as it was extremely unusual and we had never had any problems with flies previously. We would leave the windows open slightly all the time. I eventually managed to get most of them out by opening the window fully and shooing them with a towel. I really regretted not taking a photo later on when I told my roommate what had happened. I didn't really link it back to the black magic slash curse possibility until one day I was on the phone with my mom and she had expressed her fear of this being done to her. I told her the story and she begged me to protect myself with a cross and holy water. So I did. I'm not a very religious person, but after this event, I carried a rosary in my purse for months following. I have a few other stories, which I'll hopefully find time to send soon. I love listening to this podcast at work or on the subway on my commute. Thanks for your lovely work, ladies. Best, Allison. Okay. That is, <laughs> I, like, I mean, do you think it was a curse? I don't know. That's so... I don't know. But hundreds of flies... Could, out of the blue. Part of me is like, okay, maybe it had to do with the trash down in the courtyard, but it is three floors up. And why just her window? Like, usually flies, like, flock to the trash, right? So they would be right. down in the garbage or in her garbage can or something. But all of them just like, I'm imagining like, just like buzzing next to each other, plastered oh, on the gross. window. And to congregate up there. And like, why are they all on each other? I, I just don't, don't get it. Like, what is it was, uh, I'm like, was there a <laughs> substance like put on her window? What attracts flies? How do I avoid this from happening to myself? I don't know. But how and, unsettling. And yeah. it, it sounds like she did have, I mean, of course, if you walk into your room and you see your entire window covered in flies, you're going right. to feel unsettled. But like, right. it feels like, or in reading Allison's story, it feels like there was a little bit more than just that feeling. It was like, there, yeah, I know. Something's I was not like, right. Oh, what if someone really was like trying to curse her? But what if it was someone that's like, oh, I curse them and I'm going to go over and like, just wipe a bunch of honey all over the window i don't know but then that means someone would have to get inside of her apartment right <laughs> i don't know i need to google why do flies congregate yeah oh that's a good thing yeah look it up let me know let us know get back to us <laughs> <laughs> um i also wonder why and who was trying to curse their family because that is interesting timing yeah and do you know what why? That's another thing. Like, is someone just like, I curse you and your family or, or is this? I mean, I think it depends on the cursor, but yeah. there was a, I don't know if I've told you the story, but I don't know. It's, I don't know all the details, but basically when my mom and dad were married kind of early in their relationship before any of us were born, they, my dad gotten like a bad business deal and some guy cursed him 
And in the elevator, it was like, my dad was like going home. I, I don't know. Some business deal didn't go through. And the guy in the elevator was like, you're going to regret this. I'm going to curse you. And that night, like crazy stuff happened in the house. I remember you talking about that. And yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what happened after. Did your dad's like sleep, sleep talking slash speaking of other languages occur around the same time? So that I think has just been a lifelong thing of my dad's. Oh. But th- th- that night they went when they were at home, like all of the pets are going crazy. The energy in the in the apartment changed completely. And the contract so this is these are where the details are fuzzy. The contract or whatever business dealing thing, paperwork that would have screwed the guy over completely disappeared from everything like it just it was in a very specific spot in his briefcase it was just gone god it makes you want to know like who was he working with right i would assume dark forces but like for <laughs> i'm just i just want to know more details like who's who's your spiritual business partner not right. that i want to work with them i'm just i'm just curious who has that much power and can make things happen so quick satan hi I don't All right. know. There's probably a lot of dark forces to call upon. Yeah. But it's more like, what are you sacrificing to utilize them? Probably more than most it's people worth. would be willing to give mm-hmm. your firstborn child. That's exactly what I was thinking. That's so <laughs> Sleeping Beauty. No, right? Is it Sleeping Beauty? No. Rapunzel. Rapunzel. Why do I forget my... Was it Rapunzel? It. Yeah. Because it was like the witch. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like Up in the half, half of the fairy tales out there. You know, I have Disney Plus now, so I need to watch all those. Oh, I need to get in there, too. I stopped after The Mandalorian because it just took a lot out of me. (laughs) Okay. I have an email called Beware of Little Doors from Tyler. Hey, Corinne, Sabrina, and Ghost. I've been meaning to send you an email on my experiences, but I'm lazy. And since (laughs) I'm in the office and would rather be doing anything other than sitting in the office, I took this as an opportunity to write you all. When I was five, my parents moved me and my twin brothers, who are four years younger, from Raleigh, North Carolina, to a small little city called Bryson City, North Carolina, nestled in the Appalachian Mountains. Oh, you have a theme, too. A little bit. I did cryptids and Appalachian Trail. We arrived in the dead of night in the middle of December. Snow was heavily falling and piling up around the restaurant my parents had purchased. Atop the restaurant was a two-bedroom apartment that we would live in for a few years. Both of my parents would spend the evening downstairs and would pop upstairs to make sure all was well. We would have babysitters too. We all shared one bedroom and the second bedroom was the playroom for us kids. Inside this room, there was a little door about three feet tall and two feet wide. It led to a small attic space that we used just a little of. I'm not sure exactly when it all started. I didn't like playing in the playroom because of the little door. I would never want to be alone in the room and I'd constantly keep an eye on the door. One afternoon, I watched the little door open on its own. (gasps) No. But I didn't tell anyone about it. I began having nightmares. Mind you, I was six or so, and these images were not things of a child's typical imagination. Dark dreams of me riding a bike and being chased by a bipedal ape-like creature would frequently reoccur. The same beast would swing on the restaurant sign outside my bedroom windows in other dreams. In one, I watched my beheaded family writhe around on the Uh. floor, reaching for me. (gasps) Oh my gosh. I told my mother about this and she laughed, which was very unlike her. And I cried. Oh my gosh. Oh. Coming home one day, my father stopped the car in the parking lot. Someone's in the house, he said, looking up at the front window of the apartment. The blinds were bent as if someone was peering through. 
My father put the car in park, went around the building, and up the stairs to the apartment. As soon as I saw him on the landing, the blinds snapped shut. I could feel the panic rise inside me. But soon, my father came bounding down the stairs, claiming that the apartment was empty. We got upstairs, and I noticed that the little door was standing wide open. Not too long after, my mother was downstairs in the kitchen prepping for the day. She heard a knock on the back door. Thinking it was me, I'd often come in to get a drink from the drink fountain or food. (laughs) Haha, convenience. She opened the door. No one was there. So she closed it. She got back to wrapping baked potatoes and there was another knock. Again, no one was there. Oh my gosh. She had just closed the door when something started pounding from the other side. She tried to open the door at this point, upset about the prank, but the door would not open. She pulled and pulled and the doorknob would not cooperate. All the while, the knocking continued. She finally pulled the door open and the knocking stopped. Simultaneously, I was in the playroom and the little door opened. Oh Oh my gosh. I don't know what compelled me to peer in, but I did. And there was a small pile of shoes off to the right. None of them matched. The door closed on me and I scrambled to find the door and get out. We moved into another home soon after. Still owning the place together, my parents got divorced and my father moved into the apartment on his own. We would visit him there and stay there after school on many occasions. Things were never as active as before. But just a few months ago, I spoke to my mother about it because out of morbid curiosity, Google searched the place. It's currently for sale. And I called her to jokingly ask if she wanted to go halfsies on it. (laughs) She declined. I told her I contacted my childhood friend who is now a North Carolina historian and archivist in the Outer Banks. Yes, Roanoke and the like. To see if she had connections to someone who could tell me about what the land used to be. Being next to Cherokee, North Carolina, and the native reservations there, I had my suspicions, though there was no history before it being a truck stop in the 1980s. My mother and I began discussing things that happened there. We both agreed that it was a very heavy, very male presence. I told her about my stories, including the time the eye above the stove caught fire with nobody in the kitchen. She got very upset, asking why I never told her that things got that bad. I said that because... Once she laughed at my dream. I never wanted to tell her anything ever again. And I asked her if anything else happened. And she said, besides you hearing voices, no. And it all came flooding Ah. back. Oh my God. (gasps) I have like sweat chills. Like I'm like, I I can't decide if I'm freezing or if I'm really hot. My parents have these freaking stupid energy saving lights in all of our lamps and they just flicker. And so now I'm actually scared. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I remember sitting in the bedroom almost in a daze when I would hear my name being called. I'd snap to and run to ask my mother if she had called me. She said no. I remember that one instance, but it apparently happened often. I told her as a child that it was her voice talking to me. It would tell me mean things to do to my brothers. She apparently took me to see a psychiatrist. Alone, I told him that I hear voices in my head when I'm in the house. My mother, finding out that I said this, snatched me from the room and told me on the way home, you never tell anyone you hear voices, period. Oh my gosh. Every home we have lived in since has had an attic. And in that attic, there's been a pile of single shoes without its match. Even now, as an adult with my wife, the house we are renting has the same thing. What? Oh my gosh. I have so many chills. No, 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 no. This is so paranormal activity. Other houses have had various activities and moving in with my then fiance's family, things began to happen at their home as well. They all joke and say that I'm a what is haunted. 
Of course, I have many other stories, and my love of the paranormal has obviously been a part of my life for a long time and even seeped into my wife's hobbies, <laughs> seeing as how she sets up things like us staying overnight at Waverly Hills <gasps> and going on other investigations. Wait, we need to know more about we Waverly Hills. We have to know more. Oh my gosh, Tyler, tell us more. Thank you so much for all of your hard work in producing this podcast. I feel like we are best friends, and y'all just talk to me while I'm cleaning, doing dishes, or driving. I appreciate <laughs> everything you do, and I'll see you on the other side. Tyler. I'm getting serious Coraline vibes from Isn't this. Isn't this fucked? Excuse my language. <laughs> but, like, this creeps me out so bad. And as soon as I saw his caption, or, or what's it called? Subject the line. Subject line of beware of little doors, I immediately flashed to my grandparents' room because their spare bedroom, there's a little door in the back of the closet and it leads to like a little crawl space and I've never looked in it because I've always been too scared. And my mom and her sister, when they grew up, they shared that room and they were terrified every night. And I'm just like, it's nope. the, me and my brother were like, it's the little door. It's the little door. We always talk about the little door. And now he has a little door. I feel like we've read another story from another listener called like the little door in the blue house or something like that, which was very similar, like scary things happened in, the, in that little, in that, what are, scary things came out of that little blue door. But it's like, it's following Tyler. I know the pile of shoes. It almost reminds me of, um. oh my gosh, what was that? Uh, the cartoonist, Adam from BuzzFeed, he made the mm. the bent neck or the, the David? Bent, dented, Dear David. Dear David, yeah. Dear David. It kind of reminds me of that, like the, the little shoe and like the marble Oof. and just like little items. And it's so creepy. It, this is Coraline, the movie coming to life because it sounds like, there's something, whatever it is, that imitates his mother. Because it doesn't sound like his real mom laughed at him or like told him his dreams were not real. It sounds like this other mom is making him right. stop talking about it. Because he even admitted that he, for years he didn't tell his mom anything because she laughed at that dream. I wonder too if she remembers Ooh. laughing. Because when he told her that, he didn't he didn't write down what her reaction was. I wonder if she remembered it or if she denied it. Or maybe she just didn't say anything at all because she was like, holy shit, that wasn't me. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, like I, a doppelganger. I don't think it was her. Because if your child has these, <sighs> at six years old, has these incredibly dark, intrusive thoughts and is terrified of like the slaughter of himself and his own family and is getting these images that like he could have never seen anywhere or, or conjured up himself, like those were placed. I would be. Oh my God, I don't like it at absolutely all. Absolutely terrified. And it also makes me wonder because when he told the psychiatrist that he had been hearing voices and she was very much like, don't tell anyone that. I wonder if it was because she recognized that it had to do with the house because he only had only was in those trances, only heard voices in the house. So I wonder if she was like, I'm not I don't want my child to, you know, be yeah be diagnosed with something that he might not actually have just because we right. have this awful energy in the home. Right. Oh, gosh. It kind of reminds me of Haunting of the Hill House a bit, too. Yeah, it does have that. Except for it's following him. Ooh. I wonder if Tyler and his wife have children or plan to have children or anything like that and what they'll see or experience from having. At least he's gone through it. So mm -hmm. if his children, should they decide to have any, do come to him with that, then he knows or he's been through it so he yeah. can relate and maybe help. <sighs> I just, I keep like clenching and getting chills down my spine from this. I know. I like am very, very cold. Yeah. It is so scary. 
and like the banging on the door and holding the door and then running up through the through wherever and the door opening the little door on his side where he was. I don't like that at all. Oh, uh, yeah. Beware little doors. Lesson learned. Okay. This is from Jess and subject line is say hi to the demon at grandma's house. (laughs) Oh, will do. Hey, girls. So to start the story, I would like to back up around 35 years to when my dad and uncle were both young and living at my grandma's house. My grandma was always a firm believer in spirits and has seen a few to say the least. She always thought it was a relative of hers, which was just keeping an eye on the family. But I have always disagreed with this. My dad won't tell me much about what happened this one night, but it changed things forever. I'll briefly explain the night. So my grandma had an interest in spirits and she had a Ouija board. And one night when my grandparents were out, my dad, uncle, and some of their friends decided to see what the big fuss was about. Well, they got more than they bargained for. I don't think the spirit that they met was a spirit at all, but something far worse. They played along and then they were interrupted when my grandparents came home. So no surprise, they did not close the session. So whatever they contacted was there to stay. A few nights later, they said they saw a dark figure in the corner of the room, which looked almost like an angel, but was completely black. And after that is when the nightmare started. My uncle's bed, where they had played with the Ouija board, had something evil attached to it. My uncle, without fail, would have increasingly more disturbing nightmares, and it got to the point where he refused to sleep on the bed. So my dad swapped with him, and the exact same dreams came to him instead. My grandparents then both spent a night on this mattress and experienced the exact same nightmares. Let's just say the mattress was thrown away the next day. On a side note of my dad's friends, who was there that night, started to have nightmares around the exact same time but she could not escape them like the others. And from the only thing my dad will ever admit to is that she was never the same again and was in a very, very dark place for years before dying from suicide. We don't know if this demon that attached to my dad and uncle did it, but I guess we'll never know. Back to my grandma's house. We can now flash forward to me and my sister sleeping over. We always had to sleep in the spare room where these events had happened many years ago. And I would always say I did not feel well, so I could avoid staying in there because I could sense the darkness inside. I don't know if it's a curse that I'm the only one in my family who can sense dark and unhappy spirits, because everyone else has always had very positive experiences. I'm the person who went to visit an old house and can tell you the exact spot someone was murdered, even though no one told me the history of the house. You always felt like someone or something was watching you in my grandma's house, and there was no explanation why. If you started talking about that room and how it seemed different to the rest of the house, there was an energy change. You could feel the dark energy. To say that room just became a place for storage was the only way to justify never using that room again. After my grandparents passed, there seemed to be some lightness in the house, but that seemed short-lived as my dad decided to move in and started decorating, and that must have woken something up. We have all had experiences where we have been in the house alone and heard a family member shouting at us. This mainly happens with my dad as he hears me or my sister shouting for him, but when he comes to find us, the house is empty. I just hope this demon doesn't want to possess anyone, as I cannot be dealing with that. I'm hoping after cleansing the house, it may be a fresh start, but I have told my dad he may need to face the consequences of whatever he and my uncle brought into that room. There's been a lot of activity at my grandma's house over the years. There's a lot more stories, and I might even tell you some of the experiences my grandma told me about. Thanks for reading. See you on the other side, Jess. I'm so curious about the dark angel looking creature in the corner of the room. 
it to me the way i interpreted that is that it's whatever dark energy it is appearing appearing in a version that makes them seem angelic but is actually you know the same way that demons appear as children to make you trust them right or it could be like people say the like fallen angels i know that's what i was thinking like de- often times they say demons are fallen angels and i wonder i don't know i have so many questions about like how spirits and entities choose to present themselves are they given one is it dependent on their energy levels or like their own status and ranking in whatever world right that they get to either like choose and morph and shift into whatever they think is best or are they given some sort of permanent i wonder the same thing corinne this is why we do this every week because we're hoping one day we'll get answers one day we'll find we'll find the answers like we've said we are open to it please share with us yeah but not open to doing a ouija board without closing it out oh no no no. that's that's a mistake yeah oh my gosh i wonder what the nightmares were yeah that's the darkness inside of me that's like the morbid curiosity of Okay, that's scary. They're all having scary nightmares, but what were the nightmares? Well, tell us more. And <laughs> doesn't it make you curious, especially because you are someone who quite possibly like astral projects while in your sleep? Makes me wonder if there were dark nightmares that were given to these people or if it was if every single night they were like actually being transported into this these messed up realms. Ooh. Oh, I think we read a listener story kind of in that vein once where they were projecting into this like other realm where some dark entity was like showing them really disturbing images and like there was like a man with a sack over his head i remember yes oh my gosh and wasn't yeah yeah no it's coming back to me what oh gosh oh chills Ah! can't remember any of our own her own podcast episodes no like honestly if we had to take a quiz i bet we'd score like i don't know <laughs> we would fail like one percent two percent collectively like both collectively, of us working yeah. to help each other on one test <laughs> open book and we would yeah, still open fail book quiz and we're going two percent <laughs> oh gosh oh okay uh this is from victoria this is called my uncle's puck wedgie <gasps> and if you remember we talked about puck wedgies When we talked about the Bridgewater Triangle slash kidney bean. Oh, I remember. Okay. Hey, my spooky friends. My name. I don't know. What? I don't know. It's just so funny. (laughs) Hey, my spooky friends. (laughs) It's just hitting me a little different. (laughs) My name is Victoria, and my sister Paige and I have been dedicated listeners to the podcast since we discovered it way back when you were only on episode 10 we also went to your cinco de mayo live show in boston hey a bit tequila drunk hey i got stuck in my cords (laughs) oh my god i love it yes they as they should be and she said and fangirled the whole time you both killed it oh that's so nice anyways i'll preface my tale by emphasizing that my mom's side of the family is extremely sensitive all things paranormal and interdimensional interdimensional tell us more elaborate on that my childhood was filled with my mom's ghostly tales of living in a haunted house in new bedford massachusetts my grandmother's male ghost that inhabited her home for many years and became extremely active when she was moving out and my uncle john's encounter with an evil entity that threw things at him oh my grandpa's seen ufos while in the mountains, and my sister had a mischievous entity that used to pull her toes while in bed as a kid <gasps> slash 
I, myself, have had many encounters, but less so than the rest of the family, since I made it very clear to the current paranormal inhabitants of my house that I do not take easy to being spooked. So they are unwelcome to visit me in my bedroom. Surprisingly, they actually listen to me. (laughs) So, on to my story. Remember how I said my mom's side is very sensitive to the paranormal? There is one exception. My Uncle Britt. My mom is the oldest of three and has two younger brothers. My Uncle John is a firm believer, as I mentioned earlier. My Uncle Britt, however, seems very indifferent and has never shared stories about any experiences. Uncle Britt is a big guy, six foot five with a booming voice. Though I know him as my godfather and a very kind man, I would never, ever want to see him mad and it is very, very hard to freak him out. One day, My Uncle Britt was over at my mom's house helping install our new dishwasher. My sister and I had just finished watching the Bridgewater Triangle (gasps) documentary on Amazon. We became, and by the way, everyone, it's free on Amazon Prime if you have Prime. So just watch it. It's like 50 minutes long. It's not a huge commitment. I made my parents watch it and they were like, what? Okay, need to watch it. We became interested in this lore since we often drive through Freetown State Forest to avoid traffic on the highway when driving to my grandmother's beach cottage on Buzzards Bay. We never knew why that particular forest freaked us out so much when we drove through until we heard all of the stories. Even from the road, you feel the darkness and heaviness. I've even become nauseous and brought to tears for no reason while driving through there. And believe it or not, my Uncle Britt actually lives in the Bridgewater Triangle. (gasps) After watching the documentary, my sister and I unloaded everything we learned and told him all about the creatures (laughs) most likely living in his backyard. Then we started telling him about Pukwudgies, the freaky-looking goblin creatures with big ears that can shapeshift to have porcupine-like spikes, but still resemble a human-like silhouette. While talking about Pukwudgies, we noticed my uncle go very silent and almost uneasy, which is the complete opposite to his personality. So what did we do? We kept on talking about the creature to egg him (laughs) on until he said, so something weird happened to me the other night. Jack fucking Nate. My uncle then began telling the story almost like it pained him. You could tell something really freaked out this big old giant. (laughs) I sat in silence listening to the story consumed in excitement like a kid on Christmas. I just love our listeners because I feel like we are all the same. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like I I feel like she's describing myself. I always wonder, too, like in the voices that we read them in and how we read them, I wonder if as people were typing, they had this similar sort of like tone, you know? Right. Yeah. Because we just read it the way we want. Right. The sound. (laughs) Yeah. I'm curious to see how to hear how other people are like, because, you know, when you write something and you're like, I make faces like facial expressions. Oh, my God. Same. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. like same. Uh, He explained a few nights prior, him and his girlfriend were sleeping in bed when they heard this ungodly sound. It sounded kind of like an animal screaming, which is not uncommon for the area since there's a ton of fisher cats who are known to screech. My uncle, however, knew immediately that screech was not from a fisher cat and it was right by his home. Fisher cats seldom walk out of the woods right up to a residential home. This caused my uncle to jolt out of bed and grab his big ass shotgun, load it up and step outside to see what was causing the noise. He said that he'd never been so panicked in his life and that all the hair on the back of his neck stood up. He turned to the corner of his house and he saw this large spiked creature shoot up the side of the house, run across the roof and disappear. This was no fisher cat. Hearing this, I screamed, holy shit, you have a (laughs) pukwudgie. 
He didn't yeah. protest, and he continued to explain how the rest of the night he sat outside on the porch, shotgun in hand, waiting for it to return. My sister and I were shocked and slightly jealous, but mostly shocked. But that's not all. The next morning, my uncle walked outside to see the damage that he thought the claws of the creature would have caused on the siding of his house, but there were no marks, not one scratch, no evidence of events from the night before. The only way he could rationalize what had happened was because his girlfriend was inside and heard the beast too. Fast forward another few weeks, we are... We're having a family barbecue where we presented my uncle, who is a beer snob, with a down-the-road beer company, Puckwudgie IPA, <laughs> featuring a photo of the creature who brought him so much beer on that one night. <laughs> he laughed and called us smart asses. Thank you both for reading this super long, drawn-out email, because I'm sure you get a ton. Keep doing your thangs. See you on the other side, Victoria. P.S. I've attached some photos for you both. A video of my dwarf tailless fat cat named Tilly for Sabrina and my four pooches, no. Dallas, a.k.a. Dally O'Malley, Daisy, Lucy, and Bo for Corinne. Hashtag trust your pets. Oh my gosh. The photo of the dog wrapped in the blanket is giving me life. <laughs> it's like E.T. It is like E.T. <laughs> oh gosh. It's so cute. Oh God, I love whiskers. I just love hairy little dog lips. <laughs> They're just the best. Um, okay, Victoria, your uncle has a puck wedgie. I know. Also, I'm so curious what other experiences he's had because he lives in the Bridgewater Triangle. So I can't imagine that's the only thing he's experienced. Right. But I'm sure there's been plenty of stuff that I feel like a lot of paranormal activity is easy to explain away or easy to mm -hmm. be like, Oh, that was nothing like the lights flickered. I thought I saw someone. It was just me making something up. But and it sounds like he I mean, straight up says he's a guy that's kind of like indifferent and doesn't really want to be entertained or entertain others with stories like this. Right. But to have something so extreme happen to get him actually being like, OK, I, I, I think I do need you. to tell someone about this. This is a real thing. Yeah. And I'm sure he had no idea because if he's not someone who's like us and seeking out these answers and constantly saying like, what else is out there? Then how would he have come across Pukwudgies? I'd never really heard of them until I watched and researched Bridgewater Triangle. Right. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Although wow. I really want to try that IPA beer because. I know. Same. I was just going to say that sounds great. I hear it's good. And she said it was really good in a little comment that she left on the email. I love IPAs. I'm going to look up what it looks like. And if it's named after cryptid, I'm even more into it. If we ever start a beer company, we should just name all of them. After cryptids? Yep. I like that we're, gonna, we're in our future going to start a beer company, which we know nothing about. Oh, shoot. They already did. Down the Road Beer Company basically already has that going on for themselves. Okay, well, then we'll just do it a, a whole paranormal theme. Yeah, or we can just support them and drink all of their beer. <laughs> Yeah, because like, we don't know anything about beer. No. What are like grains and fermentation? I don't know. Is that yeah, even we, how you do stuff? No, I think you're on the right track, but I don't think we would know how to do it. Two but, girls, one beer. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that's a little bit more cringy because that sounds closer to the real thing. Yeah. Ooh. But my God, uh, puck wedgies are, and it makes me, it makes me so curious. Okay. Because like the description of this Pukwudgie, and actually I was thinking about it when we were reading the Goblin, Kentucky Goblin Appalachian Trail mm -hmm. email, that the like pointed ears and the little body, the pale body, the really big eyes, like all of that matches the Pukwudgie description from the man who was interviewed in 
the Bridgewater Triangle documentary, who saw oh. when he was with Sammy Girl, his dog, walking down the path. Like, that's who he saw or what he saw. And it yeah. sounds like this guy saw the same thing. And then the Kentucky Appalachian Trail goblin also mirrored the same thing. So what if mm. these goblins slash alien creatures slash puckwudgies are all the same, whatever it is, creature? Genus from the same family? Yeah. Um, I will say Puckwudgie is like the cutest name. It just makes me think of a cute little Pokemon. But then when you describe the creature, it's not what I imagined. And like in the Bridgewater Triangle documentary, the guy who saw the Puckwudgie under the streetlight on the road, it was saying Mm -hmm. like, Ewanchu, Kia, Kia, which he, he figured out later, like probably was like, we want you come here, come here. And so it's just so creepy because it's like, in some instances... If this creature is like somewhat mimicking English in other instances, like the Kentucky Goblin email, it's making clicking noises and bird like noises and calls to other Hukwudgie goblins. And then here it's like just straight up freaking sprinting away spikes and all. It reminds me of Santa Claus on the rooftop. <laughs> Leaves no evidence, not a trace. <laughs> Without a trace. The Puckwoji edition. <laughs> New TV show. Okay, this story is a little change of pace from my previous stories. This is from Jasmine, and it's called The Kids See Dada. Hello, Sabrina and Corinne. I became aware of your podcast via Twitter and now listen to it every morning while getting ready for the day. I'm still catching up, but thought you guys would be interested in a daycare haunting. Heck yeah. <laughs> Always. I am a toddler teacher at a daycare slash preschool, and I love it. I love all the kiddos, and I have been able to connect with them. Even if they point to the hallway, stare, and say, Dada, over and over. We have a lovely shadow man who the kids refer to as Dada, and I have yet to see him, but my other coworkers have. There's also a little ghost boy who frequents my classroom. He mostly stays in our indoor play area, and some of the younger kids are scared of him and will cry. But he seems to like me. At least two times a day, our bathroom door will open on its own, And several times he has knocked my trash can lid off the trash can. My mother, who is sensitive and can read pictures, says he loves playing with all of the kids and feels comfortable around me since I talk to him while I'm cleaning and that he will continue to show himself to me. I have seen his small figure in our dark bathroom several times. Our front office workers have claimed he is the ghost of a little boy who died, not on our premises, but attended the school. And so maybe that's why he keeps coming back. There's even a plaque for him in our front garden. Besides those two, the openers often hear children playing and talking in the mornings, and one of our infant room teachers will occasionally see a ghost baby sleeping in one of the cribs, and some employees have heard a man's voice. Who knows? Maybe it's Dada. Anyway, I enjoy your podcast, and I hope you enjoy my school stories. If you are able to read this, I would be so ecstatic, and I will eventually write in about my demonic encounter with an added picture. Stay ghostly and see you on the other side. Jasmine. How how interesting. A baby. A ghost baby. Yeah. Well, a ghost baby. It's always interesting when like a ghost baby appears. Because if it if it does, if this ghost baby does belong to Dada, it's interesting that the ghost baby would ever appear separately, you know, to have that amount of autonomy over, I guess, right. your energy. Because I'm picturing like a swaddled infant, which could be wrong, but. That's what I'm imagining too. And it's also like, I mean, we've talked about it. But I feel like ghost babies are very rare. I think I understand ghost children because I think there'd be confusion. But 
a baby. I I don't know that I've heard often of a ghost baby. Have I ever told you? I swear I did. I swear in early 2017, when we started this (laughs) podcast, I told you this, but what my parents have friends of theirs that were taking pictures. I believe it was like in New Hampshire. They were taking pictures on a covered bridge of each other. And when they got the film developed, because this was back in the day, there was a like floating sort of swaddled misty ghost baby in one of the photos. Whoa. I wish I need to, I'm going to ask my parents. Yeah. You need to find that photo. Who it was and if they can somehow get their hands on the photo for us. That's so interesting. Yeah. I like can't even fathom how that exists and I feel sad. Right. And like, how does it just, because swaddled babies can't move anywhere on their own fruition and they're swaddled in place somewhere. So it's, it's kind of like, I don't know, it just seems wrong. Like, I'm glad that they can move about, but like at the same time, it just seems so off from what is the norm in in living life to have just a baby Mm -hmm. just kind of have the power to move itself through space. I agree. And how does it make the decision on where to float? I don't know. I don't know the answers to these questions. (laughs) Tell me. (laughs) Someone tell us if you know, please tell us. Wow. Yeah. All right. What do you have? Uh, This is from our listener, AJ. Hello, lovely ladies. I thought I'd share an experience my husband and I had, especially after the holidays. In the summer of 2008, my family of my mom, dad, little sister, and then baby brother moved into my dad's old family house in a place called Mount Savage, Maryland. As the name suggests, we are extremely isolated in the midst of Appalachia. Oh, here's your theme. Here's the theme. (laughs) It's all creatures and Appalachian trails. (laughs) Or trail, one trail. Which is what you say you want to go hike, but I'm not sure. I know, and then I didn't. And then like the other day, I got a whole big jolt of motivation to do it again. And then I was like, well, I'm going to read some Appalachian trail stories to deter me from this. But then I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. It's still making me kind of want to do it. Uh, As the name suggests, we are extremely isolated in the midst of Appalachia. The house is an Edwardian-style homestead built in the early 1900s that seems to rise straight out of the ground and loom upward. Oh, It's set remotely in dense woods and close to the edge of a cliff. Our closest neighbors are a mile away. This kind of reminds me of the house in The Key House in that Netflix show. I don't think I've seen that. Oh, okay. Well... If you ever do, this is what this house is like, right on the cliff and all this land. As you can imagine, there are high ceilings, gorgeous woodwork, and a full attic. And what is a full attic good for? Well, I had thought storage and maybe a cool spare bedroom, but no, a ghost. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) As soon as we moved in, all the HGTV visualizations that ran through my mom's veins burst forth and created a monstrous, excited energy that jolted her into declaring that the house would have a total makeover. (laughs) And what was her plan of attack? Why, the top-down approach, of course. So in the heat of August, my family sweated our way up and down three flights of stairs (laughs) to get rid of junk in the attic. (laughs) In my mom's defense, there was quite a bit of junk up there, but we found some really cool stuff, too. The old glass film... And the Great Depression love letters that were absolutely precious. Oh, that's amazing. And then she wrote, we saved and are preserving them. Love that. There was a large trunk filled with canteens, journals from World War I, and even more letters back and forth from the old Ewald family that lived there before we did. That is like the number one thing that I would love to find in an attic. Just all these treasures from a century before. And like love letters? Oh, gosh. 
cool. I know. This was a grueling process, and at night, my sister and I swore that we heard someone pacing upstairs. The usual explanation was that it might be an animal. We'd already found a few of those, or the traditional house-settling thing, but overall, nothing to worry about, so we just panicked in silence each night. (laughs) Well, imagine my delight and horror when we found a gorgeous old dresses. There were long sleeves, petticoats, and even a secret well-wrapped flapper dress with beading. Unfortunately, they had been ravaged by the worst enemy of the clothing world, moths. No. When I reached to touch the gorgeous dresses, the delicate fabric would crumble between my fingers and holes made some almost look like lace. Us girls were devastated, and my dad's solution? (laughs) Burn them. What the heck? Have they never seen a scary movie? But to our dismay, they tossed it in the burn pile as Appalachian people... I've found often do with their old whatevers. And we watched the fabric swiftly curl and go up in flames like dry paper. That's so sad. Needless to say that night when the ghost came out, she was not pleased. We didn't hear faint footsteps this time. We heard pounding. It's what I'd imagine was frantic searching. Even though my family denies it now, there was banging of bins and boxes crashing that we all heard. The next day, when we inevitably climbed back up the stairs... With quaking knees, my dad tried to say to watch out in case there were any raccoons up there. Thanks, mom and dad. Thanks for sending your children into a haunted attic where the next (laughs) potential threat, other than a ghost, might be raccoons. Sorry, I'm just a little salty. (laughs) (laughs) Even after we cleaned out the entire attic, we avoided going up there. We heard constant footsteps and eventually the ghost, who I believe was Mrs. Ewald, would pull electrical devices from the walls, turn on and off the television, knock over our instruments, and basically do a bunch of low-key, passive-aggressive mom-type things to get our attention. This tirade didn't end until the next month, when I had my very first homecoming. My mom hung up my homecoming dress in the attic, and lo and behold, the nightly tantrums subsided. Mm. Instead, there were steady steps towards where the dress was kept, over my sister's room, not my problem anymore, (laughs) where there was just a slight squeaking noise as if she were moving the hanger back and forth on the rack. I stayed to listen. I stayed to listen once, and I swear I could hear her trying on the dress and spinning around in it. Oh, sometimes my gosh. in the daylight, I'd check on the dress, and it would be moved just a little bit. After that, we kept all of our dresses up there. Some were nice and zipped up, and at night, you could hear her unzip and rezip them. <gasps> oh, my. I have chills, but like chills of excitement and love. How cool. Some were from the consignment store or ones that we'd tried to make. It didn't matter. Mrs. Ewald seemed to love them all. Fast forward to 2016, we didn't have an issue with her until my dad one time blocked her path with Christmas decoration stuff that I tried to move out of the way. But they were so dang heavy and stacked. Thanks again, dad. That (laughs) I could only budge them. That night, my fiancé, now husband, and I had been sleeping in my sister's old room, and that was not a good plan. We have rescue puppies that we bring with us everywhere, and they began to howl, and one of my doggies growled, and his hair stood up on end right before one bin at the time was grabbed and thrown down the (gasps) attic stairs. The banging was maddening, especially with those Christmas bells clanging and bulbs popping. My fiancé was, understandably, freaking out and my hands were shaking i sat up in bed and did what i always do when i'm scared i resorted to anger i yelled to her enough 
It was just Christmas, for God's sake. You are scaring us, and we are trying to sleep. I love this so much. There was no sound after that. And my fiance and I moved our four doggies and ourselves to a different room to sleep. When I opened the door to the attic again in the daylight, three of the six heavy bins came crashing down the steps the rest of the way. I had to repack them, have dad re-carry them back up while I berated him about putting them in a different place while he mumbled about how strong squirrels must be. Dad, (laughs) like, give it up. (laughs) So that's the story about how my parents summoned a ghost and I quieted it by yelling at it about Christmas spirit. She still (laughs) tries dresses on every once in a while, but I'm happy I have my own house. Just saying. Thanks for reading. And I know it's been said before, but I'll say it again. As a counselor, your frequent normalization of mental health and experience is refreshing and creating a movement for stronger individuals without shame to talk to someone when they need it. That's a wonderful path to be pioneering. So stay spooky and don't get bossed around by dead fashionistas. AJ. (laughs) So like such a scary and lovely experience at the same time. So lovely. And I love that also like sometimes you just need to have a firm hand with the spirits. Like this is clearly not a this woman is not trying to harm her family. She just loves her clothing, loves trying on dresses. And she doesn't recognize the calendar year. I'm sure she didn't realize it was just Christmas. Right. She just wanted her dresses. I love it when she was like, it was Christmas for God's sake. (laughs) I I love this. I wonder if they ever picked out dresses specifically for her. Like, do you think that they were in like a consignment shop or, or, you know, like at Goodwill or something looking through dresses and they were like, hmm, I bet she would like this one. I don't know. I'm sure they, they must have thought of her. Yeah. Right. But it sounds like she tried on anything, no matter if she liked it or not. It also, just having read uh, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, it gives me kind of that vibe. Just this like woman who just, you know, loved elegance and loved yes. dresses. And I love that that's all she needed to be happy. It wasn't necessarily the dresses that had all of the moth holes and everything. And who knows? Maybe she wasn't even trying those on at night. You know, right. maybe she was just like waiting. But then when they were taken away, she was like, oh, the one thing I love I know. I was just thinking about like what I would get mad about if anyone threw it out. I kind of like the only thing I can think of is like my overalls. (laughs) Like I don't have anything else that I like care that much about. Well, you know what? We'll we'll do like the Egyptians did. And if ever you pass away, I'll make sure your overalls are buried with you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Maybe you'll wear them when you are replaced. (laughs) <laughs> have you prepared the body oh wait we forgot her overalls <laughs> <laughs> thank you corinne i really appreciate that oh my gosh this is my favorite fun fact about you <laughs> <laughs> i can't think of anything else like maybe uh, yeah i don't know yeah i don't i don't know for myself either i think i would do like the um in boston there's a museum that is built Isabella Stuart Gardner Museum, where it was the site of the biggest art heist in history, and they still haven't solved who stole all the paintings. But basically, it was this woman who lived alone. Her, like, nephew lived with her at one point, but she lived alone. She had all this wealth after her husband passed away, and she just created this entire museum as part of her home. She was a huge art collector. She's got all these letters from famous people. Next time you're in Boston, we'll have to go. Yeah. Yeah. She lived there, and it's just so beautiful it's so wonderful but part of her will or like part of the trust um that she'd created was that 
when she donated all of her like possessions and her home and her like art gallery that mm-hmm. no one was allowed to touch anything. Like you're not allowed to replace anything. You're not allowed to rearrange or take things away. And I just really appreciated the stubbornness that came with her generosity. It was like, here, everyone can enjoy this, but don't fucking move my stuff. Like this is how I want <laughs> it. And that is how it stays. I love it. So I, I appreciated the amount of control she still exercised in her afterlife. And I, I imagine that if if I were a ghost, I don't know. Maybe I'd be really particular and I'd be like, don't touch anything. Yeah. Well, I, I don't, I don't imagine you being that particular. I know. Especially cause I'm like, I just had the, I already told you this, that I told my mom, I was like, if I die before you just, I know, do whatever do you whatever. want. I have no yeah. preference, but you know, cheaper the option, the better for me. Yeah. yeah. Whereas me and my overalls will be. <laughs> you and your overalls and your whole overall whole ceremony. Stink. <laughs> we'll have someone write a song about your overalls, sing it, sing it over your burial site every uh, year on your birthday. Yeah. Okay. So I'm actually really excited about the story. Ooh. Can't believe I waited so long. Okay. This is from Soraya, and the subject line is: Are ghosts traveled through the phone? Question mark. Question mark. Oh my mark. gosh. Hey gals, I just discovered the podcast and have been binge listening to it. I wanted to write to you about some weird ghost happenings with my family. So. I live in Arizona while most of my family lives in Colorado. I was on the phone with them one day and they were telling me about their ghost that they gave the name Dennis. Apparently, Dennis likes to steal things and one time in the middle of the night, he threw a mirror off the bathroom cabinet. We talked about the stories a little bit and then hung up. And that night, as I was laying in bed, I saw a shadow walk by my bed. Over the next couple of weeks, I would hear random noises, feel my shirt being tugged, and I didn't feel scared, so I just kind of ignored it. While this was all happening, my family told me that Dennis was missing and he hadn't done anything in a while. A couple weeks later, I was home alone at night and unable to sleep. It was around 2.30 in the morning and I heard a knock on my bedroom door. I instantly sat up in bed and stared at my hamster because I thought maybe she was doing something to make a similar sound. But she was just sitting there cleaning herself. And as I was watching her, I heard another knock on my bedroom door again. I grabbed my taser and opened the door but no one was in my apartment. Probably stupid because it could have been a serial killer. I was pretty freaked out and didn't sleep the rest of the night. The next week, my roommate came back from vacation and I had just done some home from work that day. She walked out of her room and our conversation went a little bit like this. My roommate asked, did you just get home? And I said, yeah. My roommate asked, so you haven't been home all day? And I said, nope. My roommate said, well, earlier I heard footsteps from the living room towards your room And then I heard the door open and shut and your lights were on. (gasps) I realized that I hadn't told her about the door knocking, so I told her about both and we were both pretty freaked out. Pretty much nothing significant happened after that besides some noises. And I was talking to my family from Colorado about it and they joked that I had taken Dennis from them and I was like, you can have him back. After that, I haven't had anything else happen and my mom's sheets did go missing from her bed and no one knows where it went. So I guess maybe Dennis wanted to take a vacation and come visit me, but now he's back at home. Anyway, thanks for reading. If you want to read this on the podcast, that would be cool. But if you don't want to, then no big deal. See you on the other side. (laughs) Non-committal. See you on the other side, Soraya. Soraya. Oh my goodness. This is so crazy. So I love the fact that her family has this resident ghost and that he 
they were like, oh, it's been quiet. He's missing. And he was <laughs> chilling at her house. And I love that, like, Dennis was just overhearing their conversation on the phone as they were talking about him. Yeah. And he was like, well, uh, I didn't realize you had another family member all the way in Arizona. Yeah, I do want to go visit. I'll go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, it's so fun. That's too funny. Oh, my gosh. I'm just trying to picture, like, the joy and excitement of him being like, I was invited on a trip. (laughs) (laughs) I get to go see the other family across the country. Oh, my gosh. And it really does seem like it traveled through the phone because, I mean, unless it's like a relative or something that knows where she lives, like, I don't know. How did it get there? I know. And I'm curious how he knows exactly which room was hers. You know, he he just spotted her. He probably saw photos of her in in the family home and was like, I know who I know what she looks like. I know where to go. Can you imagine, though, if she was out of town and the roommate was there (laughs) first and then he arrived and was like, well, that must be her. It's like terrorized. Not that she wasn't, but at least she knew about Dennis. And it was pretty tame. I mean, yeah, like knocking on her door and footsteps and stuff could be a little scary, but it it just seems like it was visiting, like just a little house guest. Yeah. I wonder why he was knocking. If he was knocking to be like, well, maybe I shouldn't be a total creeper and should let her know that I'm here. She seems to have not noticed. So I'll give her a clue. Or if something about like, his spirit and energy and a new space. Maybe he accidentally got locked out and like somehow <laughs> navigating this new energy wave in Arizona, he wasn't able to let himself in. I love that we're just putting similar to how we put kind of our own spin on reading the emails. I love that we're just like putting our personality on Dennis. <laughs> Let me tell you about Dennis's motives and emotions. <laughs> and now I'm imagining Dennis is kind of like a klutz. And like, he doesn't actually mean to be throwing things or making a ruckus, but he just like kind of can't help himself. And he just like trips and stumbles over things and makes yeah. a loud He's noise. Andy from Parks and Rec. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not again, Dennis. <laughs> oh, Dennis. Uh, Better Dennis than Dennis. a Rick. That's so true. <laughs> Sorry to, again to all the Ricks <laughs> out there. Okay. Here all right. Is wrap us up. I will end this with. This was sent from St. Patty's Day. So it's uh, a little later after the fact here. Oh, wait. Oh, no. This was sent over a year ago. (laughs) But at the end, she she wrote Happy St. Patty's Day. I love it. Celebrate whatever holiday you want whenever you want. Yeah. It's like how we're always celebrating Halloween. Yeah. Okay. This is from Mary. Hi, ladies. I have two stories that have uplifting ends. So hang on. All right. My first story is about a premonition dream. I've had premonition dreams most of my life. The quality of those dreams are different and feel more like astral projection and observing an event rather than dreaming. In 1984, when I was 24, my father died in a car accident. He was only 57, a year younger than I am now. Yikes. That's so sad. So sad. The night of the day before he died, I dreamt I was floating a few inches off the ground up my parents' very steep driveway. My father's law partner came out of the house running to meet me and informed me that both my mother and father had died in a car accident. The next day, I felt unsettled, and the next night, I was awakened by a phone call from my mother at about 1 a.m. telling me that my father had been killed. I didn't share my dream with my mother for a few days because I didn't want to upset her. When I did tell her, she said that she found it comforting because she had planned to accompany my father that night 
of the accident, but changed her mind at the very last minute. She felt guilty because she thought she could have prevented the accident. We suspected that my father had fallen asleep at the wheel. My dream gave her some peace now because she felt that she also would have been killed in the accident. Wow. My takeaway from this experience is that our fate is not written in stone and that we always have self-determination. Our fate can be changed by a last-minute choice, and I personally find this very reassuring. That is very reassuring. Very. My second story involves my youngest daughter, Lizzie, who, by the way, is now 23 and totally fine. It was New Year's Eve in about 2005 when she was 10 or so. We had family friends over for dinner and were still talking around the table while she and her friend Noah were hanging out in the living room. The living room had a large floor-to-ceiling picture window facing a front garden. Our house is 90 or so years old and the window was original to the house. There was about a three-foot ledge from the bottom of the window to the ground, and at the time, there was also a rose bush in the front of that. We suddenly heard Noah screaming from the living room, Lizzie! Oh my god! We ran into the room to find a cartoon-like cutout of my daughter's shape in the glass window, and she was gone. She had been leaning on the glass, and she had just fallen through. Somehow, she flew over the rose bush and landed in the garden. She jumped up like a gymnast and ran back into the house with just two small shards of glass in her back and a muddy t-shirt. Later, when I was cleaning the shirt, I noticed the imprint of two small hands on the back of her shirt. But it's not what you think. We felt whoever the hands belonged to had helped her avoid the rose bush. Now, here's the really weird part, and I swear this is true. We had some film developed shortly after this incident, and a cartoon image of a leprechaun showed up in the photo I took of a sunset in front of our house. Just to be clear, we have never used anything that looked like this image before. It looks like the decorations I remember from the 60s. I have attached the photo. My family background is primarily Irish, and I've traveled there a few times. Appropriately, we took Lizzie there for her high school graduation present. My family believes what could have been a tragic event was prevented by our leprechaun friend. I put a little stone statue of a leprechaun outside the window, which was replaced with a double pane glass to honor him. (laughs) Happy St. Paddy's Day, Mary. Oh my. Look at the photo too. It's so weird. It's weird because like it it totally is like the cartoon face and stuff like drawn with like pen and, and ink and whatnot. But what's really interesting is that... The placement of it, it's almost like there's dimension to it in the photo. Yeah, it looks like it's like flying. Yeah. With its feet out. Like there's dimension to it and like the way that it, it, the lighting of the sunset is around the background. It doesn't really look like it was just pasted in. No. Although it's a cartoon, so. But maybe that's just how leprechauns, I don't know, maybe that's how they appear. Maybe they look like cartoons. I don't know. I've never seen one. Me neither. Maybe now I am. Maybe we're witnessing it right now. I love, okay, I love this story for so many reasons because I feel like traditionally we hear stories of leprechauns and they're kind of mischievous and tricksters pulling pranks. And this is just like a beautiful story of kind of like a guardian almost. I know. And like tiny little handprints to help her because she would have, with the glass shattering, I'm sure probably had more than a couple glass splinters in her had she fallen right at the base of the window yeah and not only that but rose bushes have thorns and they're hurtful very and for her to kind of have been like it's almost as if she fell and was like shoved further so that she wouldn't 
hit the rose bush. I know. Oh my, could you imagine how terrifying that would be to hear a loud crash and oh my God, and you run out and your child has just fallen out of a window. And it's kind of funny that there's a cartoon image, cartoon like image of a leprechaun that they caught on film and the hole that Lizzie had made herself in the window was cartoon like shape like a lizzie yeah. shape oh that's so interesting i wonder if maybe what if it really was a leprechaun and it just showed itself presented itself as a cartoon version of a leprechaun to be to try to like create that sort of tie like i'm the cartoon oh. and she was the cartoon and i was the one that helped her ah, you might be on to something corinne maybe and then for her first story too of the dreaming of the accident, it, it's amazing that you can realize that fate can be changed by changing one decision. Right. But I, as horrible as it is that she lost her father, I am also very glad that it wasn't both of her parents. I know. And if it if it had been, can you imagine the guilt that she probably would have felt too? Oh, Just God, like no. realizing that she had known, but at least her mother, like there was, like she said, like you are in control and one mm-hmm. small decision that maybe you surprised yourself with ends up saving you yeah Ooh. wow well happy saint patty's day folks <laughs> and happy halloween and happy birthday and uh merry christmas and uh and email us your stories <laughs> yes please do our email is two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com and we know this is a crazy time in the world, so you don't have to do anything if you don't want to, if you're not able to. But if you want to support us, there are many ways to do it. First being rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It takes one minute, less than if you just want to give us five stars. We'd greatly appreciate it. Yeah. And actually on that note, that's a super easy thing and free thing to do for not only our podcast, but other podcasts and all of your local businesses and restaurants and whatnot mm-hmm. that you like that are currently suffering in the financial department currently. So just writing a nice little positive review for all your favorite places or or things would, I'm sure, go a long way. Yes, I agree. Uh, And there are also other ways to support us, including donating to our Patreon or telling your friends and family about our podcast and buying merch. And we would be remiss if we were not to say thank you to our Patreon donors because you, our Patreon donors, are the people who are getting us through these crazy months of very few ads and no sponsors. And we will see you on the other side.